At PAX East, the zombies are fresh and ripe. Hello and welcome to this episode of Game on Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. Today, we'll be sharing our stories from PAX East, talking about our panel, some fabulous people we met, and our favorite moments from a jam-packed weekend of gaming awesomeness. Oh yeah, and uh, we've got so much to talk about, why don't we just um, go ahead and dive right in. Let's dive right in to the pool of PAX East. PAX East was a landmark event for Game On Girl. Rhonda and I got to meet in person for the first time and got to present the gamer types to a live audience, which I have to say is a little bit different than talking on the podcast. <laughs> just a little. Just a little. Just, you know, just a little in terms of, you know, uh, adrenaline at least. But yeah, it was, I would say 200% more awesome. Yeah, seriously, 200% more awesome. It was great to be able to see faces and see people react and hear people's questions Um in real time it was it was really it was an honor and I, I was glad I was glad to be there and we had a pretty fantastic time don't you think Rhonda oh yeah it was a great time and and I can attest to the fact that Regina makes a very good roommate <laughs> she she is as slow in the morning as I am and coffee is an essential <laughs> yeah so we're friends for life yeah pretty much i i think um our, our rhythm and our, our our rapport that that we have on the show seem to translate beautifully in person and yes i, I am definitely not that like hop out of bed and be like super chipper person thank especially, god especially when i'm in eastern time zone <laughs> completely out of my own time zone and eight o'clock in the morning was really five for me so yeah i was i was getting up pretty pretty early <laughs> yeah that that probably helped us quite a bit actually yeah I was really I was really uh you know slow moving for for lots of reasons and lack of sleep and and having uh to fall asleep at what was early hours of the morning east coast time and is my bedtime normally so yeah <laughs> I, felt, I felt sorry for you but, it, it was a little yeah. it was a little draglicious that's for sure um I, I was definitely not moving it at, at warp speed and then I came home and and, you know, I got back Monday and I had to teach Tuesday morning. <laughs> I went in Tuesday I'm morning. I'm so sorry. <laughs> After waking up again at five o'clock in the morning because my body's like, oh, we're on Eastern time now. <laughs> no, you're not. And I'm like, no, go back to sleep. And I told my students, I'm like, I'm not exactly sure what goes beyond exhausted where you've tapped out like what caffeine can do for you. Um, that's where I am. And they were just looking at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I get it. It's fine. (laughs) Well, there is a lot to talk about, but let's just talk a little bit about our panel. Um, We've talked about the gamer types um, here on the show quite a bit, but let's talk about what it was like to present live. Um, First of all, we were thrilled and honored that a 400-seat room was filled to capacity um, to hear us talk in public for the very first time. I I still, and when when I think back on it, I I still blink 
in, in like looking at my memory and looking at what it was like to look out into that room and mm-hmm. have 400 people looking back at us. And there's a picture that I put up on the Facebook page, and I think I put it up on Twitter as well, yeah. um, that you took during the during the yeah. panel, <laughs> uh, a little covert picture that you took when, when I was talking. And it dawned on me after I had put it up that all those faces were looking at me. Yep. They were all looking at me, at me. And uh-huh. so it was like, oh, wow. <laughs> that just gave that picture a whole new perspective. So... It was, yeah, it was well, awesome. it was a nice new experience for us. And for the most part, uh, we learned a lot. Mm-hmm. First of all, we we do pretty well presenting together, especially considering we never done it. We had never done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is definitely going to work really well. I I love presenting and you're a natural at it. So that is a hurdle that we got over. And I think in the future, I mean, it's just a very enjoyable for me. I really enjoyed doing it. I had that thought too, as even in the middle of the presentation, as we were talking to people, you know, when you have those moments when you're like, oh, that's right. This, this is what I meant to do. This is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I was like, oh, then completely, you know, felt completely in my element. And it was funny because, um, I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit um, to some other stuff we're going to talk about. But I was really nervous. And I don't – I'm not very demonstrative when I'm when I'm nervous. My my mom always was shocked when she would find out I was nervous about anything because ever since I was a kid, I have a very cool exterior when I'm, like, exploding inside. And we got a visit from Aaron, um, who's the Black yeah. Love, and um, from Mandate Mondays, came in before the panel and came up and gave, you know, gave us each a big hug. And he gives great hugs if you have a good chance. He gives great hugs. Um, and told us that we were one of the best shows that, if not the best show, that they had done. And there was something about that moment, about having him come and seek us out, and sort of that yeah. reassurance that, like, my nerves just were gone after that. And I was like, and then the room filled up right after, and I was like, oh, that's right, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so, just really sweet. Yeah, it was a really great moment, and so I have to thank him for that because that really that really did help sort of ground me into, oh, that's right, this is cool, this is good, I got this. So. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much what was fantastic about the entire thing um, is the the people. Mm-hmm. And I I know that in the future we made a lot of notes about how we're going to improve on the presentation and everything. Yeah. But the feedback, the value of hearing from the attendees of the panel was completely invaluable. Yeah. And I know that we're going to want to try to capitalize the on that a lot better next time. But the questions that we got and the feedback and the comments that we were probing them for were just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. We got so many great insights, so many great questions, things that we have considered and we've talked about on the show, but we didn't cover in the presentation that we may need to, you know, hint a little bit about. And I might need to be a little bit more on the expletive, you know, being and explaining better uh, some of the ideas behind and around the the gamer types other than just sort of presenting them and putting them out there. There was some really great feedback. And I'm looking forward to the next time we get to do this and take this on the road again because it's just going to get better and better. And it was the first time that we 
uh, used the gamer type quiz mm -hmm. that we came up with. Yeah. Uh, we printed off a version and we also, if you haven't discovered it yet, we have an online version on the website. Uh, you can just, you can get to it from any page at the top, the menu bar, it just says, take the quiz. Right. Um, and that went over pretty well. We learned a lot from that and we got a lot of questions about the quiz and that's really going to help you and, and me in the future. Yeah. Improve on how we define these gamer types. Absolutely. There's there's so much more to work on. And, you know, as we said during the presentation, the quiz is, is this is its first draft, <laughs> its first iteration. Yes. So we're still learning which of the questions sort of really work and which don't mm -hmm. and ways to sort of highlight and improve the the feedback on that so so we're working it's it's a good it's good for what it is right now but i even yeah. even as we speak i've got i've got some other ideas and we got some tweaking that we're probably going to do to make it even better but that's the way these things go you know there's always a rough yeah. draft and there's always you know work to be done to make and change and you know just make it just that much more powerful of a tool yeah i think a couple of the questions that came up that i i definitely want us to pursue in learning more about what the gamer types have to do with anything is how how does knowing the gamer types improve the gaming community? Mm -hmm. And also, what does knowing my gamer type uh, tell me as an individual? Right. And I mean, we've hit on that quite a bit, but I think there's a whole lot more to it because that is probably the question I got the most after the panel is what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? Right. And I so I think it, it's interesting for me having, you know, been the one who came up with the gamer types and having written about and put them in the dissertation to see them kind of come to life and to see them in, you know, real time with an audience was was completely different than I would have expected it to be. And it confirmed for me that there's even more depth involved here than I realized when I was writing oh, yeah. about them and when I did the did the research for the dissertation. There's so much going on. There's so many different ways to look at and talk about these issues. And further from that, I mean, just the fact that we had a full room of 400 people, you know, that there's still so much interest and people so much want to talk about what identity and gaming means. And I think that that's just that's just fantastic. No, there's no way about it. That's just fantastic. Yeah. Well, and before we um, leave the subject about our little panel, we want to definitely uh, shout out at the PAX Enforcers mm -hmm. and the IT crew. Um, I could not possibly begin to list the differences between <laughs> PAX and DragonCon. Yeah. But I went out to check out the room ahead of time because I was extremely nervous about the tech being set up because usually at DragonCon, the tech is a huge problem. There's terrible feedback and there's usually not uh, uh, feedback on the microphones and there's usually not a tech person around to help. Um, you typically have to bring your own tech. <laughs> so <clears throat> I was very nervous as to whether the room was set up for us, we would have microphones, we'd have a way to project. I get over there and the room is completely set up. I run into the tech guy while he's there. He gives me a rundown of everything, the way it's set up. He goes, all you have to do is plug this in, plug this in and you're go. Nice. And I, he was right. I mean, I saw everything lined up. The um, IT guy was Barry mm -hmm. and a couple of the enforcers that handled the Sphinx room uh, that was Brandon and Sean. 
And they got us the sound audio, which we posted of the panel um, March 25th. That was, I believe, the latest post right now up on our blog. Yeah. yeah. But these guys were just great. Yeah. It was just fantastic. They were were outstanding. And I've presented in three countries. At, you know, many different academic um, conferences. And I have never been in a situation where things went more smoothly and were better supported than they were at PAX. And it was just outstanding that they put an emphasis on being professional and being on time and keeping people, you know, running and keeping the spaces. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was really great to be part of a community that values that as opposed to, as as I had mentioned to you many times presenting in academic formats, you get people who run over their time and are very disrespectful and won't move along when they need to. And we didn't face any of that this time. And that was really fantastic. And I've got to give a shout out also to the Boston Convention Center. Oh, yeah. Because even between the the gaming community and the convention center, I, I lost my power strip to my computer, my laptop computer. And before I left there, I had found it. The, the convention center had, had wrangled it. They've got a very organized lost and found. And, um, I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, in, in, it was just outstanding service. So now what about some of the other people that we met? What, what who comes to mind for you? Cause I mean, that to me was the big thing. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, and as, as we constantly say on the show and as we're constantly repeating gaming is, is a social, a very social community. And, and this, experience only reinforce that, as PAX always does for me. Um, The first people who come to mind for me are the people that we knew and had contact with before we had made it to PAX, um, specifically the married gamers, uh, Chris and Kelly Brown, who we got to meet in person. And I have to tell you, Kelly gives a mean hug as well. Um, (laughs) And it was really great. We got to actually just be on uh, their live podcast briefly as well. So we got to be on a, a live show with them. And we got to see a bunch of other podcasters, and they presented pretty much everybody who was there who are in the sort of gaming podcast community they got to come up and and give a little spiel for their shows and so that was that was fantastic it's really great and we got to make some good connections there too yeah and if you uh listen to that podcast you'll get to hear me butcher regina's name (laughs) yeah that was kind of fun (laughs) well it's really weird because i was more nervous doing that when i went up there that i my mouth just wouldn't work than I was when I presented the panel. I don't know oh, what it was. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, they had cameras on us too, so I wonder yes. if the, the cameras kind of amp things up. Um, it was very sort of off the cuff, and I wasn't there at first, so because I was running late from another panel I had gone to. So, um, and then I got lost because, um, guys, Rhonda is just a fabulous handler. Like, I yep. get so lost and I get so turned around, and, and you know, really, I'm a dreamer and idealist with my head up in the clouds, and thank the goddess that Rhonda is not like that <laughs> because she would just point and direct me. We're going here. We're doing this. This is where we're going. We're eating now. Don't forget to drink some water. I mean, seriously, like fantastic people management from Rhonda. And so when I didn't have her sort of telling me where to go, um, it wasn't all that great. 
<laughs> Except when we were on the expo floor. Yeah, I knew the expo floor a little better, but that's because I've been to PAX more than you have. So I'm, I'm yeah, used. but all I kept seeing is shiny. Yeah. Shiny. That's one. Oh, shiny. <laughs> yeah, I was like a golden retriever man. Ooh, ooh, look at this. Look at this. Look, look I know. I told you it was going to be like that. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard not to. You just kind of get turned around and you're like, oh my God, look. At th- oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, I want to play that game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about the uh, some of the new people that you met? Uh, we met some fantastic people. I'm really excited about Megan from Crystal Dynamics, who's the community manager for the Lara Croft um, franchise. Um, and we're going to have her on the show. And she was just this absolutely fantastic personality. And we got to run into her a couple of different times. Yeah, and she was a sweetheart. She was really a sweetheart. And she's got a great piece up um, talking about some stuff that happened, um, which we'll talk about later. But um it just reinforced for me that she really is a powerhouse of a personality and a great a great person to have in the gaming community. And so I'm really looking forward to talking to her. Very professional. That's what yeah. that's what I admire. Very professional and personal at the same time where she yeah. did a really nice balance of who she was and what she was doing at the same time. Even on on the panel, on the Lara Croft panel mm-hmm. we'll talk about later. She was she was really good about contextualizing who she is in terms of what she's doing for Crystal Dynamics and Lara Croft. So that was really fantastic. So another panel that I went to had um, Angela from Hacksessibility, uh, which I'll make sure to put a link up. We also want to have her up on the show. And she's talking about gaming and accessibility for people with um, learning disabilities and neurological issues. And it's some really fantastic work. And I'm really I'm really excited to talk to her about some of the stuff they're doing because I think there's a lot of potential there. And she was on a panel with James Portnow, who you guys may know from Extra Credits. He's the writer who writes the Extra Credits pieces, who we also got to meet and talk a little bit about looking at how idealized masculinity impacts male gamers, which isn't something that we've talked a, a lot about on the show. We've, of course, talked more about you know women in terms of the study and the research that I've done. But I think that that has a lot of real potential as a topic, too. So I'm hoping to do some sort of um, collaboration with them and maybe with extra credits coming out of that. We'll see. We'll see if we can if we can swing something like that. And one of the favorites that we met at the indie area was Tom Eastman from Trinket Games. Um, oh yeah, and that's they've got a couple of really great um, touchscreen games out that they were just awesome. I and mean, they're just so much fun, especially the the sheep. They were that was really exciting because you know the first thing he said is you know we all used to work for Disney and we yeah. quit and started our own company you know what it was it wasn't even that long ago four months ago maybe he said something like that like some really short amount of time they quit their jobs at disney and are at pax in the indie showcase so they're a team to watch out for trinket games follow them on twitter check out their games they're fantastic and i got to meet uh james silva with scosh studios one of my very excited about that favorite my favorite one of my favorite guys just in in the indie in the industry in general. Just a fantastic guy all around. And um, I want to give a shout out. We didn't get to have a conversation. Um, I think because they understand how the situation goes and that we were going to just connect up later. But Malcolm Spinelli, and I hope I'm saying that right, uh, with Geek Link Radio, uh, came up immediately after our panel and said, um, would you guys be on our show? So yeah, we're very excited about that and uh, checking out Geek Link Radio and meeting more of them. The great people that we met were actually just gamers that were in line with us. Mm, Absolutely. Um, We we waited in a lot of lines. Yeah, we waited in a lot of lines. Got to give a shout out to to Beck and John who we met 
I, what, as soon as we got there? <laughs> yeah, panel. our very first panel, our very first line we were waiting and we just happened to sit next to these guys and started chatting with them. And um, they're fantastic and had a great had a great time talking and getting to know them a little better. And I'm looking forward to having them on the show as well. Yeah. And I met uh, Kenny and Noel. Um, I talked to them when they were doing the Married Gamers podcast. They had never heard of the podcast before, and they are married gamers. And they came by to check it out and see what it was like. And he is more of a gamer than she is. But I love the idea that they were sharing something that that they liked Mm -hmm. and they wanted to learn, you know, with each other and participate. They were very sweet. Yeah. Definitely. And you met someone else in a line when I wasn't there with you, a young guy. Um, oh, Jason. 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 Yes. Yeah. Jason was a, a really sweet guy who, um, oh, God, we were waiting for the extra credits panel. And um, I was I was a little intimidated because Rhonda was off at another panel and I was by myself and I looked around and it was one of the only times I have been at a con where I realized I was like the only girl for like 10 guys deep. Like Hmm. I was the only, I was like, wow, okay, this is a little overwhelming for me right now. Um, And so I just struck up a conversation with Jason. He was standing next to me and asked him about, you know, what games he was looking at and what he had liked and what he was enjoying so far. And we had a fantastic conversation and it turns out he's a big podcast fan. So um, he, he said he collects podcasts. So he's looking very much forward to checking out this one. And I'm sure he'll be delighted to know that we're talking about how, how awesome he was. And we had a great conversation. So yay to, yay to Jason. And thanks for everything and a great little conversation while we were talking there. Well, there was a lot of shiny stuff. (laughs) Really? At PAX? I mean, that never happened at PAX. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, and we were really lucky. We got our panel over with on Friday, which is the first day of PAX. And so Saturday and Sunday, we just got to play. Yes, we just got to have fun. (laughs) Yeah, it was really great. And to me, one of the best parts was to walk around and see what the indie gaming industry is doing. There was a lot of indie gaming there. And you've got to, I mean, there's a natural attraction to this because you know the people involved in this are passionate. Mm -hmm. You automatically know that they're in love with what they're doing and that they're, it's all coming from the heart. Yep. Yeah, they, they, they're driven to this. I mean, there's there are no guarantees. It's a huge risk. And we just saw some beautiful stuff. Yeah, we were, there was some really innovative gameplay going on, which, you know, is what should be coming out of indie houses. But um, some really great looking graphics, some really engaging people to talk to. So mm-hmm. it, it really was. I haven't I've I've spent time before. I've always looked at the indie games, but I spent way more time talking to people in the indie games this time. And I was really glad that we did that because because it's such a community that that deserves attention and discussion and hopefully we'll get to have some people on the show talking about their games because there's some yeah. great stuff that we saw. Yeah, um of course I'm always attracted to the artwork. Mm-hmm. I mean that just it, it's the first thing that catches my eye, but the most of these games have got the gameplay to back it up. Yes, exactly. Cuz it's it's so one, what, yeah, it's one thing when the when it's pretty, it's it's you know, yes. if it doesn't work then <laughs> Then there's another issue going on. So what indie game kind of pops to your mind? Uh, the first ones that I uh, that come to mind for me were the ones from Trinket Studio, um, the Orion's Forge, the which is an, a magnet physics game, which was unlike anything I had ever seen before. And really cool. It was really cool. And it really like made me think to play it. 
and yeah. you're creating um, your your there's a narrative component involved. So as you're solving the puzzles, you're getting more pieces of the story. Mm-hmm. which I thought was just absolute genius for somebody like me who's very narrative driven. I love, you know, knowing what's coming in the story and knowing that I had to kind of put the pieces together to get the next star, to get the next piece of the constellation, to get the next piece of the story sort of loosely, you know, built around something like Aesop's fables. Yeah. I mean, talk about hitting like everything I love about about gaming and literature and all that kind of stuff. It, it really was. And for that type of game, you don't typically get a narrative. You really don't. I mean, yeah. it's, like, it's like a puzzle game in a way. It's a very sophisticated puzzle game. But, right. you know, you don't get a story with Tetris or Bejeweled. But yeah. And yeah. Or you're getting that Even with like here. angry birds, you get that the birds are angry. They're yeah. mad at the pigs. The pigs laugh at them. That's all you get in terms of narrative, um, which is one of the reasons why I think I never really carried through with him very much because I'm like oh this is you know this got kind of old for me but to know that there's a continuing story that you are collecting pieces of it as you sort of move Mm -hmm. through uh, it's very elegant beautifully well done and then the same ones that did uh, color sheet (laughs) which I didn't get to play but you got to play (laughs) yeah and I was um I was really captivated by that much quicker than I thought I would be um it's a different artistic style than I'm usually attracted to but it was still it was very humorous and to me for an iPad type game um very efficient composition wise mm. because you you've got three buttons on the left and two buttons on the right very very efficient very straightforward and then you've got the sheep on the left and the wolves attacking on the right right and compared to the magnet game it, it, it even looks and feels um has an entirely different type of gameplay but it's so smart mm-hmm. there's Almost anybody that I can think of, all ages even, that could play this game. Well, that was one of the things that was really great to see about Trinket Studios was the fact that they had two games that were so different in how they, how you approach them and how you played them. And they even said that, you know, as people walked up to the, to the booth, they said, well, do you want the thinking game or do you want the arcade action game? Yes. And I loved that. I love that they weren't sort of pigeonholing themselves at this point, because I think a lot of companies when they're, when they're small, and they're just getting started they can get kind of stuck in a rut really quickly and to see that kind of breath in what they were offering already ah fantastic yeah and the game is really simple you've got um rgb buttons red red green blue and then on the right hand side you've got a dark button and a light button and basically the sheep is white and whenever it's attacked by wolves the wolves are different colors and you have to turn the sheep into the appropriate color to be able to ward off the wolf. And so the the number of combinations and permutations of just those five buttons Yep. It, it's just it's just fascinating. Huge. To me. Yeah. 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 And and then the best part, of course, is that the little the little innocent sheep shoots the color out of its mouth to fight this. Yes. <laughs> And apparently uh, we saw more demos that they um, get more additional powers because Mm. I saw all kinds of rainbow colors and uh, colors I wasn't quite sure how they were getting. Yeah, as you kind of move through the game, I think it does get a little bit more complex than that. So it it was really delightful. And they had little sheep that you could buy that were handmade that were knit. Oh, they were so cute. So cute, which is actually... I'm kind of abashed to say, but was the thing that made us walk over to that booth in the first place. Hey, 
I am not ashamed. Shiny was the word. It's, it's what I kept saying all weekend. Mm-hmm. If if you've got swag, you will get a gamer to yeah, come by. Exactly. It doesn't matter yeah. what it is. Yeah, but they, they, you know, to see someone standing with, you know, a, a gaggle of, of little knitted sheep, <laughs> brightly colored knitted sheep, I might add, because they matched, of course, the, yeah. the colors in the game. So I was like, oh, we got to go look at this. <laughs> Um, now, we mentioned uh, James with Ska Studios, and we got to see what it looks like that his new game, uh, Charlie Murder. Yes, yeah. And, of course, that stopped me dead in my tracks because of the artwork. Yes, yeah. Um, we didn't get to play the game, but it is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's a side-scroller action-fighting game, um, and it just looks fantastic. And he's got some great stuff. He's got one of my favorite xbox games which i've talked about before on the show which when i talked to him last year at pax and i said you know i love i made a game with zombies in it and he's like you know everybody wants to talk to me about that one i totally made it as a joke (laughs) but he's got a dishwasher series that you can get on uh, xbox live as well so you can check those out i think it's charlie dishwasher i'm not sure about that though um but you can check those out and charlie murders you know the up and coming game and looks like it's really going to be like a topper in terms of what he's done yeah. already. And he and his wife, Michelle, uh, we shouldn't forget her, which you didn't, you didn't get to talk to her, but she's another she's no. an artist as well. They run the, they run the ska studios together. The two of them are the ones doing their work and doing the design for the, for their games. So Michelle Silva and James Silva. And I really want to have Michelle on the show. Um, and, and James as well. I really love to talk with both of them, uh, ind- independently though, because when I talked to her last time, she said, uh, that she usually gets to go on the podcast with him and she doesn't always get to go by her often get to go by herself. So yeah, I want to bring her on so she can talk too. So, well, another one of the indie games that caught my attention and you got to play it was the third eye crime. Yeah. That one was really fun. That was really fun. So you're a, you're a thief and you're um, it's a, it's, I don't want to call it a side scroller. It's got kind of a, no. a film noir feel to it. Graphic novel esque, uh, narrative that you're kind of going through and you're the thief and you're trying to get away from the you know the guards at the museum who are coming to get you so um and you have telepathic abilities you can you can actually know where they're going to go next and you have to sort of outrun them is the big yeah. thing you have to do that so um I, I, it was a really interesting use of the sideways movement on the iPad, another touchscreen game, in terms of the way the maps were set up and the way you moved your character, I thought was really, because you kind of, you put your finger down and you kind of dragged it where you wanted him to go rather than like pointing or, you know, kind of clicking or tapping on the iPad. Yeah, you you kind of drew his path. Yeah, you drew the path and kind of like swerved, you know, your little thief where you wanted him to go as he's kind of crawling around and trying to get to the to the artwork that he's trying to steal. So ingenious. Yeah. And there was, there's one other company I wanted to mention that I didn't know anything about, and that's uh, indie game stand. Mm -hmm. And if nobody else is familiar with it, they are a website that features indie games. And what they do is they put up a featured indie game for four days and you can pay any price for that game that you want. It is up there for you to just bring exposure to independent games. Mm-hmm. But every four days now, I'm going to go out and give check them out and see what yeah. kind of indie games they're featuring. Um, anywhere that 
that can accumulate and create a hub like that is to me a much easier thing to do than to scan the entire web yeah, trying to find out for all these yeah. different companies that are making games. Definitely. Yeah. And we met uh, Mike and Matt there in the indie game stand and I played a game called Spaz, which was a space game, which I really liked. Yeah. That looked like it was a lot of fun. I can't remember the name of the game that I played, but I couldn't get very far through it. So I got <laughs> kind of frustrated. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I saw, it and immediately said yeah I can't do that yeah it was it it took a lot of timing and I got to a point where I got pretty uh, far through the first level you had to kind of click and maneuver your little guy so he wouldn't get like smashed by um moving walls essentially kind of oh yeah yeah that's right yeah I can't remember I wish I remember what the name was it was it was fun but like I said I got to the point where I had gotten to the same point in the the thing and I couldn't get past it I'm like well if I was at home and I was sitting down and my feet weren't killing me maybe I would be yeah it's longer (laughs) but right now I'm not going to stand here much longer for this one Well, the, we also saw games by major gaming houses, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they've got the big shiny. Uh, <laughs> they do have the big shiny. <laughs> it, was there anything in particular that you were looking forward to or that you wanted to see or any surprises that you found there uh, presented by the major gaming houses? Well, I'm not sure if there were any surprises. I knew I, I knew what to look for. I knew some games that were coming out that I wanted to or that have been out. Um, I really want to play the new Tomb Raider. I know you do too. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I'm not allowing myself with um, everything else I have going on uh, professionally right now. (laughs) No new games until the summer. Um, I just have to get through another month of school and then I can have some some more fun. Uh, So I'm looking forward to trying out the new Tomb Raider um, after uh, seeing some more of the gameplay. I'm even more excited about that, Um, as I know you were, because I know you played, what, about 30 seconds before you said, I'm going to have to stop this or we're not going to make it to the panel. Of course, it was like 11 o'clock in the morning when she said we weren't going to make it to our panel at five. So uh, yeah. that should give you an indication of. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably not very fair to judge a game that quickly, but there are some times that it just clicks. Mm-hmm. And I was, I seriously, I was playing it for about 30, 30 seconds. And I, I was like, I'm going to get stuck. Here. I'm going <laughs> to, she's going to lose me. And but that's just the and way it, it can't work happens. that way when you're the handler. No, you no. don't get to get lost in the game. <laughs> no, too much shiny, way too much shiny. Well, and we we together played Dungeon Defenders 2. We did, which I was definitely looking forward to because I think I've talked before about how much I really enjoyed Dungeon Defenders, the first one. Um, and I didn't realize that there was going to be a PvP element, and we didn't realize when we sat down to play the demo that it was. And I never PvP. did, <laughs> I could not understand why. I kept dying and I couldn't understand why this guy kept killing me. (laughs) Yeah, and it was particularly unfair too because we were always a PC demo. So uh, Rhonda, who's, you know, a console gamer, had to play on the PC. And I know you're having trouble with the controls as well. So, um, yeah, it wasn't too bad. I was, I, I did okay. It was mostly just not being able to understand why the people who, obviously looked like other players in the game why i'd stand next to them and he just kept hitting right <laughs> just didn't get hitting it. me 
Yeah. And I was, and I am so excited about the number of heroes they have in Dungeon Defenders 2. There are so many fantastic female looking avatars. I mean, we were standing in line next to the picture of a mage of some kind that was like a wood nymph mm-hmm. mage, and she was just absolutely gorgeous. And yeah, she was. I saw the screen when it said choose your hero, and there were like 16 or 18 mm-hmm. heroes for you to choose from because, you know, there's four, and then you can buy, you know, maybe five or six you know or you can buy three or four more on on top of the four that you just sort of get with the game um with the regular with the first dungeon defender so to see so many more characters i was so excited about that i think the one game that surprised me that i did not know was coming out was uh, lost planet 3 by capcom nice i was a uh, i'm a very big fan of the first two and I didn't even know Lost Planet 3 was coming out. And that was a game that uh, me and my husband played quite a bit. It was a multiplayer and cooperative game. And we played straight through that thing and just really loved it. So I'm, I'm excited that there's a yeah. number three. I game. remember the moment when you saw the sign and you're like, oh, there's Lost yeah. Planet 3. And then that, that there was no more of that. You had to run over at that point because that yeah. was big shiny. So I don't I don't hear a lot about that game, mm-hmm. and I really I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's really nice. One one of the ones that's coming out that wasn't previewed at PAX, but I know was being worked on because one of the developers was on a panel that I attended. But there is Plants vs Zombies two coming out. Um, oh yeah, so I heard that this week. They yeah. are working on an, on another version of Plants vs Zombies and. Obviously, I'm going to be seriously into that when it does come out. So they were they were giving away swag. We did we did have a chance to go through the PopCap booth, which was just absolutely adorable. And yep. it is our quote from the opening of the show is about the zombie at the PopCap booth because it was the Ooh. kissing booth, the kissing <laughs> the kissing zombie booth. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. My husband made a made, made sure to uh, comment on the photo we got of the zombie and me kissing mm. and uh, the, uh, the positioning of his hand, the wandering probably- hand, the wandering yes. hand of the zombie. Yeah, he was. I don't know. I couldn't quite tell if that was intentional or not. If he was like, because at first when I was standing there, I thought he was trying to shake my hand. But then when I saw the picture, I'm like, it was not my hand he was trying to shake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the guy had, our girl had extremely limited mobility. <laughs> yes, that was a big. He had one position, really. <laughs> there you happened to be the right height. That's where you, that's where you were. <laughs> no 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 fresh stuff here (laughs) Uh, pop cap they were very they were very nice they were yeah they they always are they always have a great booth and they always have uh, very colorful you know engaging displays and 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 no i have no upper body strength and that will make sense to anybody who is there yeah (laughs) well there were other shiny things there besides games Mm -hmm. um i was very impressed and this may not be new to anybody else but um Mesa Monday or Mesa Monday, um, the president Tobias Drury, which we didn't even know that's who we were talking to. It was so cool. Um, <laughs> has a they deal in um, touch controllers for screens, and basically what they had was a, a giant flat screen TV laying flat on the tabletop, and then their technology, which is basically um, kind of a frame, creates a touch screen out of that television. Does that sound accurate? Yes, yes. And well, it it was, yeah, a television or a large computer display because they were running Windows off the one that we were looking at. Yes, that's true. Mm -hmm. And what he had set up was basically a 
a tabletop game or like a Dungeon and Dragon type game Mm -hmm. where they had the dungeon and the map and the different players and all of the characters and everything. And it just was a a brilliant idea. I mean, I don't play tabletop RPGs, but this was to me was just such a smart, smart way. Now I'm, I'm sure there's a, there are people who lose the tangibility, the texture, mm-hmm. especially if they, de- if they create um, landscapes and they paint figures and, and things like that. But right. as far as being able to keep a game going over a long period of time and not losing the integrity of the board and being able to create maps on the fly. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was just, it was really amazing. It was a really dynamic setup, and it was he had it set up on the same screen, but essentially the idea was that you would have two separate screens, one that your heroes would be seeing and one that your dungeon master would be seeing. Yeah. And the dungeon master would have the map set up and would know, you know what would be revealed when, um, but the heroes would only see like the rooms as they entered into them, um, and yeah. then they would appear and whatever was in them would appear as well. And it was really, it was really slick. It was really slick. It was really well designed. It made me want to play tabletop RPGs. I know. <laughs> Which if there's any sort of, you know, confirmation you might get from that, that was, it really did make me like, oh, well, I can see how, you know, I've always, I've been, you know, I rolled a character a while back, we just haven't gotten enough people together to actually get a group going at this point. So it's something that I've wanted to do as well. But when I saw that, I was like, oh, this could be some serious fun here. And there was uh, one more piece of hardware that we got to see. We... Hardware is not typically my thing. The um, the one thing that I would really, the only thing I can think of that I'd really, really like to have is just a, a really great keyboard to mm-hmm. do PC gaming with. But um, Leah Olson, the community and uh, social networking director with BDA, was there showing off Moga Anywhere. Mm-hmm. And this is Talk about a, slick, man. Oh, man. Almost anything that anybody does innovatively for game controllers are going to be able to go miles beyond what <laughs> um, Sony and Microsoft are yeah, putting out right now. They're resting on their laurels and uh, yeah, they're going to fall behind, these, I hope. These are incredibly unique because they're built specifically for Android devices. This is whether it's an Android tablet or an Android phone, but they are um, controllers. One is what they call their Pro Controller, which is a controller you have at home and that you hook up to your devices to play at home. But they also have a travel version, the Pocket Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I mean, what could be smarter? I mean, when you attach your phone to it and it's got a a cool little secure clip that goes into the the controller, it's it's not any bigger than a DS or anything like that. And you've got it right there on your phone. Right. And and really, I thought one of the strengths of it, I, I played that one. And as I've mentioned many times, I'm not much of a console gamer and I really have stupid thumbs. Like I can, I have a hard time with the little joysticks getting them to do what I want them to do as opposed to what they think they want to do. And I know there's no actual knowledge in the controller, but sometimes I swear that they're trying to mess me up on purpose. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, I, I really just tend not to, to like controllers like that in general, but the pocket 
Fit controller I liked particularly because it didn't have like stand-up joysticks. It had a little, you know, round button that you slid to control. And I had much more control and much more of an ability to control that than I do traditional controllers. And so I could hop on, I could hop into the little, you know, zombie game they had demoed, and I could very effectively and very quickly play it. And that was fantastic because, like I said, for something that I have like low skill with, to see something that could fit in a pocket that I could play on a phone, you know, really, really, you know, it was it was really nicely done. And I loved because they were doing a whole their whole marketing thing was about, you know, zombies. And they had like a professional makeup <laughs> artist there who you could get made yeah. up like a zombie if you wanted to, which, you know, cute, but not something that I would necessarily partake in. But it was awesome that they had it. But they had these maps that they were giving out that we didn't even get when we were at their booth. But, you know, somebody found us, you know, at another part of the expo hall. And I was reading through it. And it was like all, you know, all this pre- preparation for the zombie apocalypse and how your MOGA will help you through. No, you're kidding. Seriously, like, oh, when you're board, you know, make sure you have plenty of AAA batteries in your store. So, you know, you can use your MOGA and you have to have your phone charger. So, you know, it was really, it was really clever. It was really very clever, very well done and executed nicely, you know, to the point where it was, you know, a big advertisement, but it wasn't obvious that it was a big advertisement. Um, It was really well written and, you know, I'm a sucker for good writing and that was, that was really well done in terms of the marketing. Yeah. So good promo. Yeah. Good. good I played the I played the um, Pro Controller, and I, it does have the, the raised joysticks for your thumbs. Mm-hmm. And I was impressed with the um, the give and the sensitivity of those, because that's what I have the biggest complaints about on mm-hmm. controllers, is they're, they're either too loose, there's just no finesse to them at all, or they're stiff, and any move you make is is jerky and far. fast. Yeah, yeah. And th- there was just a lot of just gentle give and just the right amount of tension on those. I was really was really impressed. Yeah, that's really. I were you know check out Moga. Definitely go. Yeah. See what you can find. Well, we we're almost out of time, but let's let's hit the highlights of some of the panels we attended because there were a lot of really great people there presenting and we we can't hit them all but i know that there was one that you and i both went to together the first one was uh recreating an icon the talent behind the new lore croft in tomb raider yeah that was and that was the very first panel we did that was the first panel we went to that was our our introduction to pax east and it had a host of women developers. <laughs> yeah, I, I was really surprised. I don't think I was expecting anything one way or the other, but yeah. I was not expecting a five-woman panel. Yeah, it was fantastic. And it was pretty cool. Susan Arndt, who is the moderator, is actually from The Escapist. She's editor from The Escapist, but um, she and she was the moderator for the panel. But they had, um, they had the writer... Rihanna, whose last name I can't remember, um, Pratchett. She, Rihanna Pratchett, who did a, a video that we got to watch and sort of see her answer questions about the character that she was creating and her sort of motivations and her reactions to the the fan and the community reaction to the trailer, which was really interesting to see. And a bunch of other developers, including Megan, who we mentioned earlier, the community manager for, for Tomb Raider. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it was a really good panel. It was, it's, it, yeah. it's exactly, you know, the kind of things. I mean, all the all the questions they asked in the recorded interview with Rihanna were the questions that Regina and I had. Yeah. <laughs> and it was exciting to listen to the contribution of each of the women and um, that they're fans of the game. Yeah, exactly. Know? That they're fans of the game. And, you know, and they, and these were, you know, pro- programmers, you know, serious programmers talking about making the maps and making it, you know, the cities and the towns and things for for Laura to run around in and you to run around in as Laura so it was really it was really great um the other panel we attended together was you game like a girl tales of trolls and white knights yes this was this was a really delightful panel (laughs) yeah and another all-female panel Mm -hmm. but um it was it was organized that way because it was talking about gamer girls right and um i wasn't familiar with any of the women on the panel so it was a really great introduction uh for me to these different women who are in the gaming industry who are in the gaming community and uh speaking out for women and representing women in games yeah. And it was, I love that we walked in and we sat down and we ran into Beck and, John, and we ran into Beck. John wasn't with her again and in line, of course, because, you know, we're all making the same rounds for the same panels, Yeah, <laughs> which is fantastic. Um, and we walk in and as we walk in and sat down, they were reading the comp, they were streaming to Twitch as they were, you know, recording. And before they had even started the stream, they were getting trolled on the stream. Yeah. And it was really just outrageous that they haven't even started talking yet. There's no faces on the Twitch stream. There's just the title of the panel and already they're starting to get trolled. So it was yeah. it was really impressive to see that level of backlash just sort of, you know, from not even the beginning of the panel from before it started. Yeah, the, I mean they weren't even they couldn't even comment on anything that was said on the panel i mean th- i don't know it was it, it just was kind of shocking to me yeah. i just couldn't believe that yeah. um, it, just the name just just the fact that there was a conversation going on you know was enough to incite the trolls to come out and tell people to keep their mouths shut and these are things that we shouldn't be worried about it was it was really it was really unfortunate because you know that those are the people who need to hear a panel like this <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and I was, that's what I was impressed by because I, I, of course I play devil's advocate a lot. I consider a lot of times that people are making mountains out of molehills and can't we all just get along and don't blow things out of proportion. And I just, I really loved the, the level headed, um, straightforward way that they held the discussion. And that's what I was pleased with. I, Mm -hmm. I, I really went into it just slightly nervous because I I don't want um, a lot of extreme reaction and, you know, calling names. It's like, you know, all right, it's this is just the opposite side of the coin. What right. good are you doing? Right. But I'm it was to new, their level. <laughs> yeah. It, but it was a, a, a nice level headed, straightforward conversation and with some women who embrace their femininity right not women who are trying to deny it I, I that that's I think the thing that that bugs me the most is when um you're trying to deny the characteristics that make you so incredibly unique mm-hmm, exactly and and each one of the women up there was so powerfully themselves 
That, yeah. that was one of the things that just blew me away. It was really great to see confidence like that in a panel that's talking about essentially what trolls want to do is break down your confidence and, you know, make yeah. you question who you are because they feel shitty about themselves. Um, yeah. But, you know, to see that the reaction from them was was quite the opposite of that. It was like, you know, I own this and this is what I'm here for. And that's what could be more powerful than that. Yeah. Well, it was it was a really, really great weekend for so many reasons. You know, uh, Regina and I getting to meet and then meeting great people and playing great games. Um, is there anything that we missed? I'm sure there's plenty that we missed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lots and lots. Everybody's going to have to come next time and meet us. Yeah. Now, we, I know we're doing Dragon Con this year. I don't know if we're going to be doing any other cons, but we definitely will be doing some next year. We may be doing some different ones. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. But yeah, but it was a, it was a real blast. Yeah, it's pretty we- tempting to go back to PAX East because it was, it was really nice because PAX East is just slightly smaller than PAX Prime. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, a little bit more manageable of an experience, although it's still, you know, was it 40 or 50,000? 40,000? Oh, I don't know. You were there 40. I can't remember now if it was 40 or 50,000. PAX Prime is 70 to 80,000. So, you know. Freaking out. Yeah, it's it's nice. That's a little smaller, a little bit more manageable. And um, Boston Convention Center has these great sky bridges that you get to walk over the expo hall and the tabletop gaming areas. And that was just fantastic because you don't get a position like that at the Seattle Convention Center. So you don't get to actually see exactly how expansive the expo hall is. And so to see that just sort of massive overwhelm of just, you know, all the people, all the shiny and then all the other shiny and then some more shiny was just really fantastic. So I don't know. I'm a little partial now to PAX East. So, well, I I know that, um, the one thing I was disappointed in is not actually getting to play any board games. Yeah, we didn't but, get time in there. That yeah. was really disappointing. But luckily, when you and I went um, to have, um, we'll just call it dessert one night <laughs> in a cup or a martini glass, um, you did teach me two games. I so, I, I mean, I at least got to try some new games. Yeah, and that, that's and there were two fun. games that I have on the iPad that are actual yeah. board games, Timeline and Small World. So... Um, yeah, that was that was pretty enjoyable as well. So, for as were the uh, the martini desserts. <laughs> so, salty <laughs> caramel for the win, man. Those were oh, oh so good. <laughs> Starry night. That's what that was called. Starry night. Yeah, those were yeah. those were good. And there were pictures. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the Twitterverse. What are you talking about? No, but still, never never. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if um, there's no way for us to cover everything about PAX East that that happened in a small three days, but if there's something cool that we missed, uh, let us know what that is. Also, let us know uh, what you did for Tabletop Day last Saturday, and uh, we'd love to hear how your Tabletop Day went. Um, is there news about Tabletop and Geek and Sundry? There is news about Geek and Sundry and Tabletop. Um, Geek and Sundry... And Tabletop have both been renewed for a second year. So we're going to get a second season of Tabletop, which is fantastic. So excited about that. And Geek and Sundry is taking another year. They're going to have even more shows, um, including Tabletop. Um, But I guess from the the announcement that Felicia did, they're they're bringing even more shows in. They're going to be doing even more geeky stuff. And it looks like, you know, it's been an outstanding channel already. 
Um, but it's going to go even even further. And I can't wait to see what new directions they end up taking everything because, you know, I'm already a fan, you know. I will admit mm-hmm. that, but I'm really delighted to see that it's that it's getting the recognition and it's going to be able to continue on. So looking well, forward I to that. Well, I think part of it is, I mean, it's it's a subject matter that we like, mm-hmm. but it's really quality production. It really is. They really have upped the bar in terms of what's being offered from from YouTube, and which is what YouTube's intention was running this sort of special channel. So yeah. I'm really glad that that, and the Nerdist channel is also a really great one that our friend Jessica Marzen um, has. Has a has a show do it yourself for costumes and such so they did they do a really great job too so make sure to check out those channels and subscribe it's really important for them to get subscribers because just like anything else for the companies it's about the number of people that are watching and subscribing to your youtube channel so make sure to go do that make sure to subscribe to the black glove and to mandate mondays and check those guys out too because we love them as well so um, yeah. Go hit subscribe everywhere you can for for great content, <laughs> including to us. If you don't subscribe to us, we're on iTunes and oh my Stitcher, gosh. so make sure to do that too. <laughs> Goodness, yes. Goodness, yes. <laughs> well, you are listening to Game On Girl. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at Row Room. That's R-H-O-R-H-O-O-M. You can also read my tech blog at JewelOnTheFrog.com. Or email me, Rhonda, at GameOnGirl.com. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. You got that, Rhonda? McMenemy? McMenemy. McMenemy. <laughs> See? I know. I'm not nervous. <laughs> and you can follow me on Twitter at DocLiz with two Zs. Huge, huge thanks to everyone who attended our PAX East panel. It was awesome, just beyond awesome, to have a full house and have so many engaging and thought-provoking questions and a fantastic discussion. You guys really do rock. Um, We're thankful for our listeners far and wide, both in person and on the show feed. So keep your comments coming. Keep listening for a chance to win some of the swag we got from PAX East. What is that? What did you say? What? Yes, make Sweet. sure you follow us on Twitter, like the Facebook page, because we've got some really, really cool stuff that we're going to be giving away in the next couple of weeks. So keep your eyes on that. Keep listening to the show because you'll need to listen to the show to win the swag. So these things kind of work together. So we're available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. You can subscribe to both from the website, GameOnGirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media. And the theme song, Good Day by Triple Fox, is used under Creative Commons attribution license. And we also used it at the PAX panel as well. So another shout out to Good Day from that. Thanks for listening. And until next time, game on.